All right. In the book of First Peter, chapter three, uh, started last week uh, a little uh, kind of a short little series on uh, the idea of marriage slash family. Um, would be uh, it's not strictly marriage, but uh, family. And uh, this week uh, we're going to look at a passage uh, in the book of First Peter uh, where he addresses uh, husbands. And I always uh, get a little uh, antsy when I'm talking uh, on this topic. Some of you may, uh, some of you, if you're old enough uh, or been blessed enough, you've seen uh, enough Andy Griffith episodes that you'll remember the one uh, where they had the little boy, the new boy that came to town. That was uh, Spall Brat. Uh, and um, long story short, uh, as the show ended, uh, the boy's daddy, uh, Andy, told him that they had a woodshed out back, good old-fashioned woodshed. And uh, so he takes the little boy out, and Opie's standing there, and he looks at Andy, and he says, Paul, is he going to get a whooping? And uh, Andy responds to him and says, don't you think he deserves one? And uh, Opie says, well, I don't want to say he is one of my kind. Uh, and that's kind of the way it feels when you talk about husbands. You gotta, uh, you have to be careful. Uh, I don't want us all to get whooped, uh, you know, uh, especially me. Uh, and so I want to look at this today and uh, maybe approach it a little differently than uh, than we do uh, a lot of times uh, when we talk about the role of the husband uh, in the home. Uh, unfortunately, and I, I've talked about this before. Uh, just a little blurb here just to remind you next Sunday is Mother's Day. Uh, but uh, often on Mother's Day, uh, preachers get up and talk about how wonderful mothers are and how marvelous they are and how they walk on water and, uh, you know, um, all of you know, uh, you know, mother's kiss can heal anything and her spit can clean anything. You know, uh, that's how, you know, mothers are. And then a few weeks later, it comes Father's Day and we just beat them to death. You know, you sorry, no count, rascals, you need to straighten up. Uh, and I don't want to do that today. Uh, I, I never want to do that because, again, I am one of you. Uh, and so, but I do want to look at three things that uh, Peter says here uh, and uh, reminds us of as, uh, as husbands. Um, and, and I think it's critically important uh, in our world and our culture today uh, because the role uh, of the man in the home, the role of the husband, the father, um, has been so uh, perverted uh, by television, by Hollywood, uh, and how uh, the husband is portrayed uh, most. If you watch most any uh, of the sitcom shows, uh, as a general rule, uh, the father is made to be... Uh, basically a bumbling idiot. I, you, know, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd clean that up if I could, but that's just basically the way uh, that the father ends up being portrayed uh, in most movies and, and television shows, uh, if he's even present at all. Um, and, uh, and so this morning, uh, I want to look here at uh, what Peter says in one verse. He gives us uh, our assignment. Likewise, you husbands, verse 7 uh, of chapter 3, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. 
Um, there, you know, there's a couple of sayings that are important uh, when it comes to being a, uh, a, a good uh, husband. Uh, and uh, they're, you know, they're not real scriptural necessarily, they're not real spiritual, uh, but they are fairly accurate, and most uh, every man in here that uh, has been married since, I don't know, uh, five minutes ago, uh, has figured this out. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, if you don't learn anything else, that's a guiding principle. It's not in the book of Luke. Uh, but uh, And I don't stand here this morning uh, as an accomplished husband. Uh, I stand here as one uh, who, uh, before uh, much longer, I'm pushing 40 years of marriage, and I hadn't done it right, but I've messed up enough, I know what not to do. Uh, I don't always do that, but I know. Uh, and so uh, you know, I'm not standing here as the expert on the right way to do it, but I can sure tell you a lot of bad ways to do it. Uh, but from Scripture, uh, I think I, I can help, uh, help all of us uh, to understand. And ladies, uh, I don't want you to sit back and go, because he's talking to husbands, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, one reason is next week it's your turn. Uh, and second of all, this applies, part of what I'm going to say today uh, applies to the wife uh, as well. Uh, as... Um, the, the question uh, that really that we're looking at this morning, if I had to uh, put it in a sentence, is what is the duty of a Christian husband? What is the job, uh, what is the responsibility uh, of a Christian husband? Um, and I, I'm quite certain that if we were to take uh, a, a large uh, sampling, we would find uh, that there's probably a good many answers uh, to that question. People would uh, have a lot of different uh, ideas. I'm pretty sure uh, there would be a pretty strong division between how females would answer that question and how uh, males would answer that question. Uh, probably be a pretty big division between how people that have been married uh, just a little while would answer that question and how people that have been married a long time had answered that question. And then those who have never been married who know it all uh, already. Uh, and uh, you know they, uh, and so uh, that would be there would be all kinds of uh, I think uh, various breakdowns uh, of uh, that uh, that question. And, and I want to say, uh, kind of uh, getting going here before we really start digging in uh, to this um, to, to this uh, to this passage. Uh, really, uh, I, I want to touch on something that th this passage uh, speaks of in a broad sense. When he says, dwell with them. Uh, now, uh, if you would go back and look before verse 7, uh, you will see that, uh, that Peter had also addressed uh, the women before he got to this point. That's why he says, likewise, when he starts talking uh, to the husbands. Dwell with them. And Peter, in a in a not so straightforward way, but in a uh, in a obvious way, I think, uh, is reminding us uh, again of the the one man, one woman, one husband, one wife principle that uh, that the husband is to dwell. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with uh, his wife. In the Bible, uh, from Genesis to Revelation, uh, it is never uh, a vague uh, fault on that. There's never uh, a place in Scripture where we look at it and go, you know, I'm not real sure uh, what the Bible is saying there. Uh, it is clear anywhere God talks about 
husbands and wives and marriage and family, uh, that marriage is one man, one woman, uh, and, and for life. That's uh, clearly uh, the biblical uh, principle uh, that uh, that he gives. And then th- there's two words that he says here that I kind of want to uh, focus on this morning. Uh, when Peter says uh, that the husband is to understand and to honor his wife. Now, right off the bat, we're going to go ahead and tackle the hardest one first. Peter says, men, our responsibility is to understand... Our wife. Altar is open. Altar is open, the doors are not locked, whichever one you choose. Our responsibility, Peter says, is to understand our wife. I think that's part of the reason that God tells us it's one man, one woman for life, because it'll take you life with one woman to ever begin to understand her. Uh, If you you try to do it any quicker or try to have more than one, you're doomed. Uh, But he says to us uh, that we are to understand uh, our wife, that we are to live with our wife in understanding. And so uh, let me see if I can clarify that a little bit uh, because I I know that there's some some of you fellas sitting here going, well, I might as well go home. Uh, you know, uh, I, let me clarify, uh, if I can, what Peter is saying uh, about living with our wife uh, in <clears throat> understanding. Uh, let me put it a different way um, and, and use a uh, different terminology. Be considerate. Be considerate. Uh, that's, I think, really uh, a, a, a better uh, term for you and I uh, in, in 2022. One that uh, is clearer uh, and, and helps us to understand uh, what Peter's talking about. Because, uh, again, if, if the assignment is to understand, uh, most of us fellas are in over our heads. But if all we got to do is be considerate, well, that's a piece of cake compared to understanding, right? Uh, you know, uh, and so Peter is saying that we live in understanding um, and, and, and be uh, considerate. Uh, and what he's saying to us is, is, and the scripture is clear, if you take uh, and you go from, uh, again, from cover to cover, uh, and you read the various passages that are uh, talking about marriage and the, and the husband-wife uh, relationship, uh, that men, we have the assignment of not being ignorant uh, about our, our spouse, not being ignorant uh, about uh, our wife, and, uh, that we are to uh, know and to understand uh, our wife. Uh, again, and, and when I think about that, uh, you know, that means that we uh, learn the things that they, uh, that they do like, the things that they don't like, uh, that we learn uh, their, uh, you know, their various uh, idiosyncrasies, uh, their multiple personalities, uh, you know, that we learn all those things and we learn uh, to live with them, that, that we learn that marriage uh, is a relationship uh, it, uh, and work to make uh, our marriage strong, work on that uh, relationship, uh, that one of the things that uh, is one of the, the, the great hindrances uh, between men understanding 
their wives is that we don't think like they think. And I, I'm gonna, uh, I, I'm gonna, uh, I, I'm gonna take something from uh, a pastor up in uh, Wisconsin, Mark Gunger. Some of you I know, Diane knows who I'm talking about, uh, and a couple of you. Uh, we had uh, did a marriage conference several years ago uh, where Mark was uh, speaking, and. Uh, you know, he talks about the difference uh, in a male brain and, and the female brain, and, and, and we're different. And, and men, uh, ladies, you need to understand this as well, uh, and he talks about the male brain. He says, male brain is like a filing cap. You know, we, we, you know, if you want to talk about football, okay, we go over here and we pull out the football drawer and we'll talk about football. Then we close the drawer and, and we go on. And probably our favorite drawer uh, in our whole filing cabinet is the nothing drawer. Ladies, when you ask him, what is he thinking about? And he says nothing. As inconceivable as that is to you, that's what we're thinking about. (laughs) I know for females, and that's not bad, that that is inconceivable. But we can sit and stare at nothing and think about nothing. Or we can sit and stare at something and think about nothing. We can be doing something and think about nothing. Nothing is our favorite spot. Ladies, y'all's brains is more like, and, and you know, this is the old imagery, uh, is more like uh, a telephone operator. The old telephone operator. Y'all never think about nothing. Ever. You know, you always, and, and there's such a difference. And men, we have to be aware of that. Ladies, you, you do too, that we're different. We have to, that, that's what Peter is talking about here, that we have to understand uh, our spouse. Don't, don't, men, don't expect your wife to like and understand and do things the way you would do it. Yeah. Because that's not the way their brain works. It's not the way they think. Yeah. It's not saying that the way they do things is wrong. It's just saying it's not the way we would do it. You know, it, it, it's just not. And Peter says that our job is to be considerate of that. Yeah. One of the, and I, I know, I, 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 I told you I wasn't an expert at this. I'm an expert at doing it wrong. Let me tell you one of mine where I don't do real good in this topic. And that is, I have been trying for almost 39 years to teach my wife to drive. And she tells me on a regular basis, when I tell she'll say, why didn't you just drive? Because I'm trying to teach her. Yeah. Why didn't you just drive? And, again, she drives different than me. You know, but she gets us here. I generally, on Sunday, I tell them I miss days. I don't drive. Caleb drives me. Somebody drives me. I just ride. You know, but she gets me here. She gets me where we're going. But I know that it makes her ill when I tell her, why don't you get in that lane? Why don't you turn there? Why in the world did you go this way? You know. Why did, where are you going? Yeah, I know that. 
I know she is directionally challenged, but she gets there. Okay? She gets there. She's, you know, she's never, to my knowledge, been lost and not found her way home. But she has been known to take the long way. Okay? And I know that. So shut up and ride, Jimmy. Be considerate. That's what Peter's saying when he says here, to be understanding, to know her nature, to know her makeup, how she is, how she, uh, you know, how she thinks about things, how she does things, what pushes her button, what upsets her, what makes her happy, what makes her angry, what makes her sad. It is our job to be to live in understanding. I realize that's probably not the most spiritual, most, you know, just, oh, wow, he went to seminary statement I've ever made. But it's what Peter says. Peter says to live in understanding. And I will guarantee you, if you find somebody who has been married a long time, who has got a good, solid marriage, they will echo exactly what Peter says. You have to be considerate uh, of what it says. Listen, considerate uh, of what it says. The husband is to be knowledgeable. He is to be, uh, again, understanding. Um, and, and he is to live with his wife, again, not as an ignorant, faultless man, but paying attention uh, to, uh, to the things uh, uh, that... that make her content, make her happy, to be considerate. It's not brain surgery, guys. It's not. We make it that way sometimes. We make it really difficult sometimes. We're not to be, uh, again, um, uh, you know, a beast or a, just an observer uh, in the home, but a man of knowledge. You know, military people will tell you, you know, that you, you study the enemy. You learn their tendencies. And I don't mean to say the life's the enemy. But you study them. You know their tendencies. You know, you know what they're likely to do. You know, again, the, the, the things that, uh, that they do best. And a man uh, that knows and understands his wife knows and understands God uh, is doing his duty as a husband, is what Peter says. We are to be understanding. We are to be considerate. I want to read something to you. Matthew Henry, great, great commentator of years gone by. Uh, some of you probably got Matthew Henry's commentaries. But I, I want to read exactly what he said about, about this topic. I, I want to try to paraphrase it. I want to get it right. Husbands are to live with the wife according to knowledge, not according to lust, as brutes, nor according to passion, as devils, but according to knowledge, as wise and sober men, listen to what he says, who know the Word of God and their own duty. <clears throat> That's what it means to be considered. Let me give you an example. Those that turn in you, if you will, let me give you a real quick uh, biblical example in case you think I'm making this up. Take your Bible and turn with me this morning to Genesis book 18. Genesis chapter 18. I want you to turn there. I want to hear the pages. Or I want to see the lights on your phone or your tablet flashing. Something. 
Genesis chapter 18. I want you to see this. Lest you think I make it up. Genesis chapter 18. Very easy to find. First book of the Bible. Right there. Genesis chapter 18, verse 6. Let me set the stage for you if I can. Abraham has some visits. Now let me, ladies, see if you can imagine this setting. Your husband comes walking in the house one afternoon with his boss and a couple business partners and says, I brought my boss home for supper. looking around at the lady's faces. This is interesting. Honey, what's for supper? I've got the boss and two other guys. Brought them home for supper. What you cooking? Oh, I wish I could see what I see. Some of these ladies are thinking about killing their husband, and it's just, a, it's just made up. Yeah. I hope, anyway. Well, that's exactly what happened with Abraham. Abraham has some visitors, and he brings them home, and here's what happens. Abraham hastened into the tent. Verse 6 in chapter 18. Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And then look at this. And Abraham ran into the herd, fetched the calf, tender and good, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to dress it. Look at this. Here's what I want you to see. And he took butter and milk and the calf. Who is the he in that statement? Who? Abraham. Abraham. Abraham comes in and says, Honey, make some bread. We got come. Then he goes out and he says... Do one of his servants get this calf ready? Then he comes back into the house and sits down on the couch and says, When's supper going to be ready? And how we know that's not what happened? Because verse 9 doesn't say, And Abraham's days on the earth were short. <laughs> He took butter and milk and the calf, which he addressed. And let's just put it there, it's not there. He set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. Folks, that's a biblical example of both a smart and considerate husband. He helped set the table. He put the food on the table. One of the interesting things I notice here is that we don't read where Sarah squawked about making the bread. Why do you think that was? I think that was because in the past, Abraham had been considerate in the past. And so she didn't mind helping her husband. It was a partnership. They were working together because Abraham didn't go and sit on the couch and say, Honey, let us know when supper's ready. It's a matter of understanding. His wife did, Sarah did what he asked her to do without complaining, without griping, and Abraham went and set the table with his own hands. 
and he took care of things. Abraham, uh, Sarah was willing to do what Abraham asked because Abraham was thoughtful and considerate. Understand. Second word that he says is we are to live with our wife not only in understanding, but with honor. To be conscientious is simply what that means. Don't in, don't take advantage, and that's not at all. Peter's going to mention here, he says the woman is the weaker vessel. He's not saying, he's not even remotely referring to the fact that physical strength, he's, and that because of that, that men should take. But he's simply saying uh, that, uh, that she has a place uh, of honor, that men don't take advantage of the situation because generally they're bigger and stronger. Generally speaking. Maybe not always, but generally speaking. They are to honor the wife, they said. The word honor means to value to put priority on your spouse, to put priority uh, on your wife, to esteem her, to prize her. It's a wonderful word that is translated as honor. It, it, it's, it's an amazing word uh, that he is to count his wife as a precious gem, as a precious jewel, a prize of great value. That's what he means when he says to honor, to put her on a pedestal. Notice three things about that statement. He's to do it, he's to honor her, to prize her, because she is, uh, again, generally speaking, the weaker vessel. Generally speaking, and I know not always, generally speaking, the wife is the more delicate, um, dainty of the two. And because of that, the man, listen, is to protect her. Well, that means when it says honor, you are to protect her. I know some of, some of the guys in this room. I, 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 I've talked to you, I've watched you interact. I, you know, uh, I, I, I'm just going to, you know, I, I'll use one as an example because somebody pointed them out the other day and how they were, uh, how loving a couple they looked like. Can I, can I give you a word of warning and caution? Don't mess with Miranda. For a couple of reasons. For one, I'm not sure she's the weaker vessel. Yeah. <laughs> well, you think that it's close. You know, I'm pretty sure, you know, Greg, you know, don't, don't mess with, you know, don't mess with Sandra. I'm pretty sure little Tommy, you'd, you'd have a fight on your hands. You know, that, that's what it means to honor, that you protect them. I love the story, uh, and I've said this before, the woman who had the, who had the baby uh, and, and in the delivery room. She was standing with the baby, and she's laying there with the baby, holding her baby, and she looked around the room and said, and she says, I'd kill for this baby. And her husband says, oh, honey, don't you mean you'd die for the baby? No. If I die, what good would I be? I mean, I would kill for this baby. 
That's what it means to honor your wife. Listen, that we protect them, that we are the primary provider. Oh, I could just camp out right here. We're raising a world of... Oh, I'm doing too far down that road. We're raising a world of sissies. Everybody gets a trophy, all this mess. We need some men who will stand up and be the, the leader in their home, provide for their family, take care of their family. Quit just running around all over the world, all over creation, making babies and get a job raising some babies. That's what it means to honor your wife. My blood boils every time we go to Latrobe to the abortion clinic and I see some of these spineless jellyfish, no count, sorry, I just pick an adjective, I don't care. I see them roll up with their girlfriend or their wife, whatever, in the car and they'll pull up and put her out and let her go in for the abortion and they drive off. You Listen, at least be man enough to go in with her. Be man enough to raise the baby would be ideal. We need men who would honor to, to take care of their family and their welfare by caring for them and loving them, to look after them. Listen, to be, uh, to honor, to respect the wife. Again, not great spiritual, scriptural, necessarily it's scriptural. It's not real complicated. Understand her and honor her. Be considerate, be conscientious. But then there's one last phrase Peter uses that I think, if you're still confused, I think this will fit, solve the problem. Look what, look what he says at the end of that verse. At the end of verse 7. Be considerate, be conscientious, and then look at this. Since they are heirs with you for the grace of life, so that your prayers be not ended. They are heirs with you. What does that mean? That means both of you are believers. So, I think it's safe to say that to sum up what Peter is saying, when he's saying be considerate, be conscientious, that it's safe to say that the foul thing, that the umbrella over it all, is to be Christian. To treat your spouse, your husband or your wife, either way, like you are both children of God. Like you are both creations of God. Like you are both saved by grace. Men, we are to treat our wife as a joint heir. Somebody who has the same inheritance, the same position in the sight of God as we do. They may be weaker. They may think different. Their brain again may go while you know ours is in neutral. Somebody else said women's brains are like a bowl full of spaghetti noodles and men's are like a bowl full of pudding. That might be a fairly decent example. 
They're different. But we have one thing in common. And that's been saved by the grace of God. Ladies, same thing. goes vice versa. I know he's enough of him. I know he throws his clothes at the hamper. I know he makes a mess when he eats. Just remember, you picked him. He's yours. But most of all, he's God. We are joint heirs. We treat our spouse like a prized possession, not just to me. My responsibility is to treat Rhonda not just as a prized possession esteemed to me, but to remember that she is a prized possession of her Creator. See, I have as much as I love my grandchildren, one of the things that I like best about my grandchildren is it has shown me something about my sons that I didn't know. And despite their flaws that they got from the swearings inside, hey Linda, despite their flaws, my sons are amazing fathers. And I mentioned a while ago about bothering Miranda or bothering Tommy's wife. Let me tell you something. If you look crosswise at one of those two little girls, God help you. Because they're not just good fathers, they're good uncles. They'll both be on your head. Why? Because they love those babies. And you better treat those little girls like they're David and Caleb's prized possession. Men, you better treat your wife like she's our Heavenly Father's prized possession. He loved her enough to send his son to die for her. And he tells us to love her the exact same way. To love her like Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church enough to die for it. You love her like she is not your prized possession, but like she is a prized possession of Jesus Christ himself. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. I want to give you an invitation this morning that is a little bit all over the place. 
Ladies, can I encourage you to come this morning? You may want to bring him with you if you can and pray for your husband. It's not easy being a godly husband in this culture. Most of our men, most particularly our young men, have not had a good example. They haven't seen it in the media. Many of them haven't seen it in the home. And I want to just challenge you for a minute, ladies. When's the last time you just spent some serious time in prayer for your husband? Parents, grandparents, are you praying for your children, your grandchildren? Are you praying for their, that God will lead them? They may be young. They may still be in diapers. But are you praying that God would lead them to the man, the woman, that he would have them to marry, and they would be a godly husband, a godly wife? Tell me when it's too early to start praying that prayer. I can tell you when it's too late. Husbands, we pray for a lot of things, but if we ask God to help us to be a good husband, a godly husband, do we cherish her like he cherishes her? You come this morning and kneel and pray here, Lord, help me to be the husband. Help me to be the man that you have called me to be, the father that you expect me to be. Help me to be considerate. Help me to be conscientious. Help me to be a Christian husband. Maybe you want to come this morning and pray, thank God for your father, who was a good godly man who loved you and loved your mother and lived out this verse in your home. This invitation goes in all kinds of directions and all kinds of ways. I'm sure there are others we could think of this morning. Maybe you need to come together as a couple. Maybe this morning you need to come and say, I think I see the problem with my marriage. And that is I need to be saved. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. Can I tell you, you'll never have the marriage God wants you to have until you are the man or the woman that God wants you to be. You don't know Jesus Christ personal this morning, would you come? You're joining us online, would you email or call? Let us know, and I'll be glad to talk to you and tell you how you can know Christ. Folks, this is serious. Our nation, our future, I believe, depends on men being the husbands and the fathers God has designed them to be. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. God, we thank you that you didn't just turn us loose with no instruction and no direction. God, you've shown us how to be godly men, godly husbands, godly fathers. God, to be considerate, to be conscientious, simply to be good Christians to our wives.
God, I pray this morning all over this building for homes, for marriages, those joining online. God, for parents, for grandparents, for children. God, so many ways that this passage applies. And I pray that you'll have your will here this morning, that you'll touch hearts. If one needs to know Jesus, God, that today would be the day that they come. And we'll give you the honor for it all, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, 
I don't know if y'all know and paid attention to the calendar, uh, but Wednesday, last Wednesday, uh, well, it used to be called Secretary's Day, and we can't call it that no more. That's politically incorrect for some reason. It's now Administrative Professional Day. Mm. Uh, you know, and I don't know, how long have you been here? You've been longer than I have. 50, 30 years? Okay. Carol uh, does a great job, and I'm going to make sure she does. Uh, I tell people all the time, Carol's the, uh, Carol's the church secretary of Tommy's mind. Um, and both are they're in it together um, and do a marvelous uh, job with the bulletins and the financial reports. And, um, some of you who haven't been involved with that kind of thing uh, don't realize the challenge it is with the constantly changing software laws um, and those kind of things that affect all that. Uh, banks changing regulations, it's, it's a learning curve. Uh, you never get it down back because it changes every week. And they do a great job. Um, they, they do way more than, than we pay them to do, way more than we ask them to do. Uh, and so I want to ask them uh, if they'll stand right here um, and let you come by and thank them um, and honor them. Uh, the Bible says honor uh, the servant. Um, and they do a marvelous job. And so if you will, if you want to buy more, so